0: Chinese guy drops a chicken at the plane. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay. So, Tom. All right, over to you, man. Whenever you're ready.
1: <coughs> Tom, uh, we're back again, yes. and I've got we'll a surprise. I've got a surprise for you. Um, right. stealthy surprise now considering we're doing an episode on stealth I told you I wasn't going to have a beer tonight didn't I and you are bam, bam, bam. <laughs> there it is what have you got I've got a horrible beer it's called <laughs> It's called in in honour of our good friend Kenneth Fox it's or Ordestroy Irish Stout
0: <laughs> do you know what I say to that it sounds shit John Arno! I take him to the Matthews Bridge. Nice, right? What have you That's got to try? The mood I'm in tonight. Well, because we're doing a military base game, <laughs> I have a Bombardier. Oh,
1: nice Bombardier. Lovely I was stuff. I was in
0: Morrison's for ages, like a fucking moron with my mask and my <laughs> fogged up glasses, reading every label. Like, which one of these is the most Metal Gear like? <laughs> well, you've done None quite well. Them. No Bombardier. So I got good. a Bombardier. Nice. So. Welcome to that eight-bit
1: shit show. And um, before we go into the the game, Tom, how have you been? What's What's new
0: with you? Um, I grew a second cock.
1: Did you? That's handy.
0: Yeah, man. Before Christmas as well. I know. Yeah, exactly. Someone's getting a good present this year. <laughs> um, I've been good, man. I last last time we spoke, I was uh, a couple of weeks ago. I was all like, oh, stressed out, and now I'm buzzing. Oh, oh. I'm oh, not, I'm, that beer is horrible. Is that a shit beer? Oh, it's really horrible. Let's be honest. Has a good beer ever come out of Ireland? No. <laughs> I can't exactly. think of any. I mean, you've you've got you've got the Guinness, but like that's not really a beer. It's no, that that's a, obviously there. You know, that's w- why Ken doesn't drink. Tar.
1: It's amazing.
0: it's <laughs> yes, true. Beer shit. True. So this week, Tom. But yeah, i I've, I've had a good week, and one of the reasons I've had a good week is I've enjoyed playing this game.
1: Yes, I was gonna say like, it's, this it's
0: been this is this has torn me away from Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven this week.
1: Which is insane. 70, 70, 70, 77 <laughs> Well it's not that insane which is you know, Cyberpunk is a little bit broken at the moment, um, for most people. Um, Mine's not. Alright, it's PC guy. I play on PC. <laughs> yeah. But uh no, this game, uh, Metal Gear that we're talking about this week on this week's show, it's um Rightly so, that it's drawing you away from Cyberpunk because it's absolutely fantastic. Um,
0: So, we're talking about Melbourne. game, man. I played through the the whole thing. I fucking loved it.
1: Yeah, we don't often get the chance to play through, you know, some of the larger games we look at, certainly, we don't get the chance to play through all of them. So, to say that we've, you know, got through this game, or certainly you have, um, I didn't quite make it. But um, it's testament to how good it is. And we'll
0: talk about why you didn't make it anyway. One of the downfalls of the game. Mm-hmm. is the way you can um box yourself into to to points that you can't get out of.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um so Metal Gear Man it's it's developed and published by Konami of course. Um and it was released on July 13th, uh, July the 13th, 1987, which, you know, astounds me considering how, you know, how much goes into this game and how much there is to discover.
0: How forward-thinking it was. Mhm.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a
0: reason Kojima is as revered as he is.
1: Yeah, you can see it. It's it's all throughout this game. Everything that you know and love about Kojima games is here. Um, there or thereabouts. And uh, this came out on the MX, MSX2, which was uh, largely only in Japan. Um, so it didn't get that much of a... Uh, an ex- you know, It didn't get much exposure in the West until it came out on the NES um, and on the C64. But the version on the NES was, was absolutely dog shit. Um, so we'll talk about that in a bit.
0: They, we're, we're, yeah, we're talking about the MSX2. Absolutely, that's, that's the the uh, the proper version of this game.
1: It's the way it should be played. Yeah, definitely. If you want the full experience of this game, that's where you should play it. Um, even in the ported version that they did bring out later on, um, when people were looking at you know playing it on MSX2 um, across the world, they even missed out some of the you know the important dialogue options. So. Mm-hmm. The original experience was in Japan on this one.
0: So um, we talked about um recently. I've just, I just checked out the Metroid episode, which posted the day we were recording this, actually. So mm. we're a couple of weeks ahead. And we, we were saying about why we cover certain games, and each game has a story, and, and Metroid is important from like a level design thing, and, and some games are important for what they sell, and some games are important for the legacy, some are important for the, the people that are involved in them. And this really ticks all those fucking boxes.
1: Yeah, it does. It like, really it's does. It's
0: spawned a 24-game series, eight mainline entries, which we'll talk about later, one of the most popular series of all time. Like, when a Metal Gear game comes out, it's massive. It's like a Halo coming out, or, you know, it's 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 huge. And then Kojima is one of the few people in gaming that is talked about like James Cameron or something like that. Like, people don't know game directors in the way that they know Kojima. I think even people outside of,
1: you know, outside of, People only play like Kod really or whatever, gaming, you, know, yeah. fifth, fifth, you know, FIFA gamers and things like that. Them they pricks. Are, they'll know who Kojima is. They'll, they'll have heard of the name Kojima um, just because he's so... Do you think he pronounces it
0: oh, Kojima?
1: <laughs> I fucking hope so. That'd be amazing. Imagine no, you walked no, into a Japanese men speak <laughs> yeah. in, in my mind. So,
0: for some context... Oh, it, oh, first.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so for First. Some... So a little bit of racism there, sorry.
1: For some oh, context <laughs> for when this game came out, I'm going to give a couple of games that were, well, things that were going on in the gaming world at this time. So, Konami itself actually releases uh, Contra and Castlevania 2.
0: Two massive games there. Simon's Quest. Simon's Quest, is that what it's called? Yeah, it's Castlevania 2. And it, Contra, obviously for our UK listeners, um, the Contra title, it's called, hold on. It does. It has a stupid name in the UK. Oh yeah, yeah,
1: I remember um, this. Um, what is sec. it? What's you getting through that? Um, what else was there? Capcom releases Street Fighter and Mega Man this year.
0: A Probotector. <laughs> probotector. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a fucking condom brand. <laughs> uh, Nintendo also
1: releases the uh, Legend of Zelda to EU and uh, North America.
0: Uh, Yeah, so that's because obviously it came out in 86 the same year as Metroid, didn't it, on the Famicom.
1: Mm. And in Japan, they released Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link. Oh, Japan. Um, R-Type came out that year. Love R-Type. Great game. Um, And the Master System, of course, released in Europe in this year. And the Commodore releases the Amiga 500 in Europe as well. So a lot going on around this time that Metal Gear came out. Tom, what I'd like you to do is talk us through... The history of this one, because this is something which you went away and did a lot of the research for. Um and I was a bit daunted by looking at the back sort of background to this. Just because it's got such a rich history, so take us through and talk to us about
0: it's it's Metal Gear. one of them things that I think actually I assumed there was gonna be far more to it than there was because it's such an important game and like don't forget, like everyone knows Metal Gear. There's nothing more confusing than the fictional timeline of the Metal Gear franchise. Mm. Because even by the third, like, they had the Metal Gear 1, Metal Gear 2, Metal Gear Solid, then Metal Gear Solid 2, then 3 was a prequel. Um, I think even a prequel to this game. Even Metal Gear Solid 5 is set before the original Metal Gear. You play as Big Boss, who's the snakes. Well, we'll talk about Big Boss uh, shortly. but So uh, it kind of assumed that the history of the game was going to have that level of complexity to it. But it kind of doesn't, Okay. So, but the the person we want to talk about here is Kojima. Or Kojima. Because he's just so known as being this auteur, this kind of visionary video game designer. And frankly, who only up until Death Stranding, he'd only really done Metal Gear. He did a couple of other games here and there. Or like yeah. Penguin Game before this. And, and you know, some other stuff, Police Norts and all stuff after this. But this is his thing that he's done for years and years and years. Um... And yet, he's uh, born in Tokyo in 1963. Okay, and he moves to Osaka where he spends most of his childhood. And he's got a parent and two older siblings. Eight parents, plural. He's got two um, of them. <laughs> yeah, and the the story goes that the family used to watch a movie every night, and he remembered he wasn't allowed to go to bed until the movie finished.
1: That's this like is a fucking
0: bossy parents. That's good parenting, fuck that. Like most
1: parents are like, right, go to bed, I want to watch a film. <laughs> They're like, no, you're staying to watch this, it's important.
0: You his know? father, who is a travelling salesman off around uh, Japan, peddling his wares, like a <laughs> gypsy king. Uh, he died when Kojima was thirteen, okay? Ooh, right. So the family's like fucked financially and uh, Kojima has to like he looks after himself as his mother works So he said he had a a sense of self-isolation, which makes a big impact on his life. Yeah. So from turning on the TV as soon as he enters a hotel room or seeking social interactions, this is part of what builds his philosophy around game design. And where that really manifests itself is to him having all the shackles taken off to really go into this concept as much as he wants is Death Stranding. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, is really like... A crazy social experiment of a game.
1: Well, it feels like that's stuff he just wanted to get out of the system, doesn't it, that game? Like,
0: yeah, but and he did to an element with Metal Gear, but Death Stranding was his... Yeah, like, it's, I don't want to say, his magnum opus, kind of. Mm,
1: it was just the stuff that he just really needed to get out there, and, like, out of his creative, you know... He, he had that idea for, for so long, probably, that he just wanted to get it down and, and get it made.
0: Um but he he goes on, and despite financial hardship and all of this kind of stuff, he ends up studying economics. But he also writes fiction on the side. That's his, his hobby. And he submits uh, these to magazines, but he never ever gets published. And he claims his stories were often 400 pages long, where magazines were looking for 100 pages. So that's kind of Jeez. not really meeting the brief, I guess. So uh, Kojima teams up with a friend who has an 8mm camera, and they begin make, making movies. And um, that's the career path that his peers expect him to follow. Now you have to remember that video game developer wasn't a serious thing.
1: Well, we've seen it like across but, several other episodes before that we've done, where people just used to apply for jobs at video game companies and with no experience and just get the job and be like, "Yeah, sure, come work for us. We'll teach you. We'll exactly, train you as yeah. you go."
0: So, Kojima reveals to his friends that he plans to become a video game developer after playing Famicom games. So his friends are like, oh, this is too risky. There's no guarantee of financial security. You're mental, mate. And <laughs> is that what they say? I say you shouldn't do it. But then against their... Mean, that's how they all talk, I'm sure. <laughs> um, against their advice, he joins Konami's MSX division. The MSX being you know, the, the, that console, that proliferated in Japan, not so much in the West. Mm-hmm. joins them in 1986... And starts to pitch ideas um, to, to senior members of staff, and doesn't really get them approved. They're not looking for an ideas man. But he also has no prior knowledge of programming. Now, one of the things is that video game designers in 1987 were programmers who happened to design video games. Mm. You didn't have like a game director. There's no Corey Barlogs or Neil Druckmans of of that day. Um, Kojima was probably like Kojima Miyamoto. These were your your big players, like at that time, um, and Kojima obviously not yet at that time. Yeah, yeah. So the first he works on is a game called uh, Arctic uh, Antarctic Adventure, which is a sequel to Penguin Adventure.
1: So I, I looked up the song. action
0: with RPG elements and multiple endings. So straight away, Kojima's like playing Penguin Adventure, and he's like, you know what we need multiple endings. <laughs> I looked at this game like and it's the literally... level of depth that he wants to bring into anything is wild.
1: It's a, it's an on rails like light hearted. Penguin game where you like you're looking for flags and fish. It's like how has he gone from that to right we're gonna have different
0: endings? (laughs) It's mad. He's obviously mental. Um He was then assigned to a project called Metal Gear. Oh yeah. That's how, how it came about, okay. That's the histoire. So Kojima joins the Metal Gear team and he's not happy with the technology available at the time. He says, so I've got all these ideas, and, uh, yeah, it's not, it's not I'm not able to, to, to do what I want. The game was, when he joins, it's titled Intruder, which is something you see later on in the story of the game. That name is reused. Mm-hmm. And it's intended to be an action game about, uh, featuring modern military combat. Okay. But the hardware of the MSX2 limits the number of on-screen bullets So Kojima's like, and you know that from playing, you can only shoot like three bullets and until they're off screen, you can't, you can't shoot anymore. So Kojima's like, well, this sucks. The combat sucks because you can only fire three fucking bullets, which is wild. When you look at the fact Contra was released that year, which is like an absolute bullet hell. Mm, Yeah. Complete contrast. Different hardware, but so he thinks that impedes a combat. But then he also, Kojima's favorite movie is The Great Escape (coughs) featuring Kurt Russell. Who uh, plays a character called Snake Pliskin?
1: Indeed, yes. Mm. Got an eye patch as well. And
0: uh, so he reverses the focus of the gameplay from shooting to avoiding enemy capture, which hadn't really been done. Like no, video games are based around a very simple idea of conflict and um, journey. Like you, you want to travel from A to B, and there's conflict en route. Mm-hmm. There's yeah, a that threat that you have to overcome, and this was about avoiding the threat. So, hold on was I wet my whistle.
1: No, you're exactly right, though. Like, it, it wasn't something that was a common mechanic in gaming at all. Like, um, y- you'd often be looking to engage with your enemies as soon as you saw them. There was never any sort of, right, I need to avoid these and go a different way. So, different idea. Really different idea.
0: Exactly. We'll get into how all, how all that plays out in the game, because it's so fucking effective. Mm-hmm. So, the MSX doesn't really have a presence in the US, and Konami... ...reworked the game when it came out for the NES... ...but they did a bad job of it. So the team responsible keeps the components and the gameplay... ...but they totally reworked the layout of Out to Heaven... ...and we'll explain what Out to Heaven is... ...and you're going to hear these terms that, that pop up throughout Metal, Gear's, uh, Metal Gear Solid History. Um, stripping out the balance that Kojima worked carefully into original games... ...so one of the things he really did design these... ...and the people who did the NES version took the components... kind of threw them together in a new order... ...and probably didn't appreciate the level of um, nuance... That was in the level design. And it's something I really appreciate now.
1: Yeah, 100%. we'll get into that when we talk about the gameplay, because there's so much to talk about there, about the types of things that he put into this game. It's all cleverly thought out. There's there's nothing in there which doesn't need to be there. Um, But we'll go
0: into that. Now, it says says here in my notes, they even removed the final boss fight against Metal Gear, Uh, replacing it with blowing up a defenceless computer. (laughs) Now, I take issue a little bit with that, because A, Metal Gear is not the real final boss fight.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: And also, Metal Gear is kind of a defenceless computer as well.
1: It, yeah, it doesn't really do anything, does it? Not like it does in Metal Gear Solid, where it attacks you.
0: Um, no, well, you, oh, well, that's Metal Gear Rex.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know it's not the original Metal Gear, but it's the same concept. It's, you know, it's a mech mm. that you find at the end, and this is just...
0: It's really hard, actually. Mm. So, the NES version is kind of lamented for being more difficult, but basically through fault of the gameplay, programming and design. Like broken enemy controls, lines of sight... Um, the radio tips give clues relevant to the layer, the MSX version so it's deceptive for that game which is really funny because you do you speak to people over your radio well, I'll break down how the game plays in a minute but, but you get these clues and yeah they were referring to the wrong game essentially so Kojima says the NES version is his least favourite of all the, the Metal Gear games so, a couple of things I want to talk about here before we just get into gameplay and design and talk about it. just Because I want to just explain to people what the game is, how it plays, etc. But the cover art for this game, Ad, I've pointed yeah. out here that this very much appears to be a picture of um, based on the image of Michael Bean playing Kyle Reese in the Future War from the first Terminator movie. Do you agree? So what you've done here,
1: Tom, very cleverly, is you've put two shots side by side of the cover of Malgear Gear and then a picture of Carl Reese from terminator next to it and fuck me it's identical there, there's like he's not wearing gloves on terminator but other than that it's he's even got
0: the scope on his pistol and yeah.
1: like <laughs> he's got the pouches on his like on his belt it's 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 exactly carbon copy almost his so. face
0: looks like <laughs> yeah, michael does. bean it does He has the same hair the same expression the same little headset yeah. like i don't know how they got away with it
1: well, that, that's like a lot of things in Asian culture. They do tend to like get away with copyright stuff, don't they? They, they do it a lot. And, and also
0: 1987 on video games, which wasn't...
1: Yeah. No one really gave a fuck about it, did they? No, and I, I mean, you can see the influence of movies on Kojima right there. Um, I don't know if it was him that had the idea to put it as... as
0: I'm sure thing, it was. I think Kojima keeps his, gets his dirty hands all over everything he can.
1: <laughs> Damn right. But uh, no, it's a cool cover, though, isn't it? Looks awesome it's a great cover like, that it's would a, bit, that would make me want to play the game <laughs> I'd be like fuck that looks cool so yeah Tom um, let's let's move on and talk about the actual game because we spent a lot of time with this game over the last week or so um, as I said more time than probably we usually do uh, and let, let's talk about well we about give that. every
0: game it's just desserts. so like if a game if we get through a quick or it's not worth our time or we feel like we've had a good good flavour but Metal Gear is that kind of game where you really you, you want to see it all. Mm. And was- also because I so I flip-flop on this podcast about whether I like Metal Gear Solid or not. So I want to set the record straight. I love Metal Gear Solid as a franchise. Okay. And I have no experience of Metal Gear before this week, okay? Metal Gear Solid 1 and 2 are absolutely fantastic games. Mm-hmm. Like 10 out of 10 games. Metal Gear Solid 3 I don't like. Okay. Which is funny because it's a lot of people's favorite game. Um, I really, really like Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker on the PSP. I like Metal Gear Acid as well. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Metal Gear Solid 4 because I was, maybe at the time it was out and the age I was, I wasn't to understand the satire surrounding the American patriotism in the game. Yeah. Okay. It's quite fucking deep Mm. for a what was what a PS3 early PS3 game? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Maybe even not that I was too young. I just maybe wasn't didn't know my way around that franchise and that kind of fiction enough. And Metal Gear Solid Five is great, and Grand Zeroes was great. So, but what I I do not like is some of the gameplay in the games. The length of some of the cutscenes. It's very exposition heavy. It so is. It's one of those I really appreciated, it, but it's hugely flawed and always has been.
1: Yeah, but you can almost get past. Well, I, I can certainly get past it anyway. When I Metal Gear Solid is one of my all-time favorite games.
0: Um, the best one's the first Metal Gear Solid one for me, and I think that's the time it came out, and that will a hundred percent be on this show in it in the next year or so.
1: Yeah, we won't go into too much detail on that on that here, but um, when we do cover it on the show, obviously it's going to be. Um, but it, of
0: course, for those who don't know, is there was Metal Gear, then Metal Gear Two, and then Metal Gear Solid was the third game in the franchise, and ever since then it's been called Metal Gear Solid. Yeah. Indeed, So it's now seen, the the common kind of preconception of this is that Metal Gear Solid is the first game in the franchise, and these were almost two kind of forgotten entries that Kojima cut his teeth in in the concept of the game, largely because these are 2D, uh, sprite-based, isometric games, and Metal Gear Solid's a fully 3D polygonal game.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's funny, I always knew they were there in the background, I just never had the desire to go back and play them. Um... Frankly, because Metal Gear Solid is such a great game, and I thought, well, what more
0: can it offer me? But So I look at something like Duke Nukem 3D and then go, you go back to play Jute Nukem and Jute Nukem 2, and they're so different. Mm. And that was my perception, perception here. I was like, well, I don't want to go back and play Metal Gear because it's going to be so different. Yeah. And now I've played it, it's not so different.
1: Exactly. So the, the, the game uh, is very, very similar to how Metal Gear Solid actually plays out. So you know you start out and you're in this sort of basement you get out of the water and you're like right shit what do i need to do so you're obviously controlling solid snake um and your mission then is to infiltrate the enemy base without any visual or physical contact from the enemies on, from the outset you've got nothing you basically dropped in, no weapons uh you dropped into outer heaven which is the enemy base
0: and you're sort of given this top down such a uh, great name well, out of heaven, yeah, it is, isn't it? Out of heaven, you got Foxhound and Big Boss and Solid Snake and like man, it's so cool. <laughs> like he spun this whole like you know, fucking fictional world where the, these kind of ludicrous things work and are believable mm. in so the context of that world.
1: So over the top, but you know, it, you, as you say, it works. Um, so you got this like to-
0: anime take on Hollywood. It's amazing.
1: Yeah, yeah, it really is. Um, for this game you're in a top down sort of pseudo-symmetric view Um, so you see everything from above and you see all the rooms as if you're looking through the roof Um, so the aim of the game is to infiltrate out of heaven and destroy the Metal Gear uh, Mech Walker Uh, so to do this you've got to travel between three different buildings which are actually quite extensive considering the time that this came out well building one and two are for sure yeah, building three, not so much, but, but one and two have got four levels each, um, or five levels each, sorry. Uh, and, I mean, technically the game is linear, but there is a lot of choice in each area that you need to, so you've got to explore, basically. And
0: we, we did this with a guide, Tom. It's kind of a little Metroidvania-ish. So you're going back on yourself a lot. Yeah, you yeah. Like, you pick up a, you're going to an area, so you're like, oh, I'm in building one, level one. I go around here. I've got key card number one. I can open this door. I can get the the gas mask, which allows me to go through this room. Mm-hmm. Then I get there, and then oh, now I'm on level three. I can do this, this, and this. Then I've got key card two. I'm going to go back to level one. I remember there was a door there that I couldn't open. But the the maps are based up, made up. Each level is made up of sort of about nine or so screens, nine or 12 screens. Mm-hmm. And in each screen, there will basically be like a challenge to get through. Yeah. So it would be two patrolling enemies going around some obstacles or two cameras. And it's great because the first time you play the game is every single screen is a challenge to figure out. And by the end, you've kind of mastered a lot of it. Yeah. And you know how to fly around the map so you know where you're going. And you really just become an expert of this enemy base and feel like this super fucking badass, like, in infiltrator stealth bro.
1: <laughs> infiltrator stealth bro. That's what it should have been called. Take him to the Matthews Bridge. <laughs> Some biscuit there. Um. So the focus obviously is on not being seen. As we talked about earlier in the in the design of the game, the focus is not getting spotted by the enemy. Um, and in some ways, yeah, it, it does play like a board game. You've put that down in the notes here, Tom, and I completely agree. It's like a game of chess almost. Um,
0: well, the, the enemies can face in four directions mm-hmm. and they will turn between those four directions. And only if you're standing in front of the line they, they're looking at Will they see you? So you could be one square up and like diagonally up and to the left, and they'll never see you. But as the game, as the areas become more complicated, you'll have several enemies dotted around, and you've got to visually map out their lines of sight and how they bisect and figure out where the safe spots are. Mm -hmm. And it does it. It plays like almost like a turn-based board game because the enemies will rotate and look different ways every so often, and you've got to learn those things in time. Right, I'm going to go here, I'm going to wait for this to pass, then I'm going to go there. And it's just fascinating, the kind of nuance in that. And if you do then get spotted
1: by the enemy, it does. It goes into this frantic alert mode. Um, in which case, you, you've got to actually escape the enemy and go back to being this sort of spy. Um, but the stealth mechanics are actually really good throughout the game.
0: Um, I don't know if you... And escape the enemy means run to
1: the elevator. Right, yeah. Because as soon to, as you're
0: in yeah. there, <laughs> then they, they stop following you.
1: Yeah, so the elevator is the only space in the game where you can actually sort of che- have a checkpoint and save it. Um, so they're sort of your, your safe house, as it were. Um, but it, the stealth mechanics are really good. So your enemies, they've got patrol paths and they'll they'll change the orientation, as you just talked about. And that gives you the opportunity to either dispatch them quietly with a punch button, um, or you can stick to the shadows, hug the walls, and they can't see you. Now that, that's a really great mechanic, being able to stick to the wall and, and sort of hug... Hug where the shadows are, so they don't see you. For a game, I didn't know this. Yeah, it's really. I finished really cool.
0: the whole
1: game. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I watched the guy speedrun the end, and he was just doing that. I was like, "That's incredible! That is absolutely amazing." That's
0: a fucker because the end's a bastard, and you're just getting shot at constantly. It it, it doesn't work in
1: some sections, but um. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it it's, it it looked really cool. Um, so if you're seen by a single, uh, sorry, if you're seen in a single exclamation mark appears above your head, then you've got to move to another screen to get away from the enemies. If two exclamation marks appear, that's when it really kicks off and you've, that's when you've been spotted by camera or infrared or something like that or explosion that you've done. Or multiple enemies. Because sometimes enemies, you're yeah. seen
0: by enemies then they'll follow you from screen to screen. Mm-hmm.
1: And that's when you've got to just kill everyone and, and sort of uh, get yourself back to being a stealth infiltrator. Um, yeah, so... Tom, talk about, tell us, what, what sort of weapons and stuff did you come across through your time on this? Well, see,
0: like you said earlier, you start the game like with fucking nothing. And then you go around, you're just punching people and you've got to be, and what the game does is really, really cleverly, there's a levelling system that works in certain ways. You, you get a rank and that allows you to carry more ammo, but you also get equipment, which gives you this Metroid-style opportunity to explore new areas, but then your, your guns upgrade as well. Um, but not in the way they become more powerful because almost every enemy dies in one shot. Mm-hmm. But like when you get the silencer for the pistol, it means you can shoot people from a distance. It just make it just gets easier and easier to backtrack, um, so that the old areas don't take you as long to get through, but the new ones are still challenging. Yeah. So the first thing you find is a pistol, and then you you realize it doesn't work because you haven't got any ammo. Yeah. Um, that's, the, yeah. the important thing is that you're going to find. So the, let's just cover off the most important things here. First of all, the most important thing to remember is if there's ever an item in a room, you can leave the room and go back in; it will respawn.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that's so you like say rations. there's
0: rations which heal. There's rations which heal you. If you find one, you want to go in the room, pick it up, go out, back in, pick it up until you have a full quota of rations. And the full quota of rations is tied to your level, which can be level one to four based on how many hostages you've rescued, which are dotted around uh, out of heaven.
1: Yeah. So there's, there's now. Two types of...
0: of The other really important thing, let me just continue this, because the other one that's really important is the guided missile launcher. Oh, yes. Which allows you to fire a missile and then drive it around from top down and shoot things. That Now, some of this is used in environmental puzzles, like having to destroy a fuse box that's electrifying a floor. Mm -hmm. It's also used to completely cheese the first two bosses. Um, the same as the rocket launcher, which can when you have to kill the two Terminators that basically are Terminators. They're even called the Arnolds.
1: Yeah, I referenced that later on where we've um we talk we're gonna talk about the characters that we meet, but yeah. Um
0: you've got a gas mask that gets you through places. The one that was weird and a bit obtuse to me is when you go through the desert and the scorpions get you. Uh and so there's a section and this just talk about the items the things that were really interesting to me. There's one section where you're travelling from building two to building three. And uh, you hear that it's 40 kilometers to the north. And you leave the building and you're running across the desert. And someone's told you earlier, every time you rescue a hostage, they give you little bits of little tips. And someone said, if you want to cross the desert, you need a compass. If you run across the desert without your compass equipped, you just keep looping the same screen (laughs) that looks just like sand. And you never make any progression. Like, you're lost.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. There's loads
0: of wacky ideas like that. And then, like, once you equip your compass, you'll actually move out of there and and things like that you've got the parachute to to parachute off the courtyard into the 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 basement uh, bottom of building two yeah also like there's there's an air tank so you can um go in the deep water and that's the thing like it's so cool the way it progresses and if you uh, you unlock all these different abilities yeah and
1: if you don't equip them then basically i I jumped off the first roof without the parachute equipped fell to my death i was like oh what the hell was that oh you've got to equip it right okay cool got it and um that mechanic obviously stays throughout the rest of the game. So you've got two types of pickup space. basically. You've got consumables, like your rations, your ammo, things like that, which, which are obviously f- uh, finite, and you can stock up. And then you've got your sort of uh, reusable items, like your key cards for each room. Um, there's up to, like, what is it, seven different key yeah, and cards? Yeah, they're numbered
0: one to, seven, one to eight. There's eight. to eight key
1: cards. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you've got things like the different weapons, as you say, the the scuba gear, which allows you to go further into a water area, which you discover in one of the buildings um, to get to the boss. Um, There's loads of little things, which, as you say, a very Metroidvania style. Go back on yourself, pick up this, upgrade your character so that they're able to progress to the next area. So, yeah. Well, of
0: course, the other thing that's super cool is you have the transceiver, mm-hmm. which is your radio, and. You've got a series of different characters you can contact for advice, but they will tell you their frequencies, and you have to like write them down or something because, like, occasionally the characters will call you and be like, "Oh, hey, might want to put on a gas mask." <laughs>
1: um,
0: and there's some significant stuff when Big Boss calls you later on in the game that's re- that's really interesting, which we'll we'll talk about later. But you can call the characters as long as you remember their frequencies. And this lends to the, the manual. You know how these games manual used to have a notes section in the yeah, back? Yeah, There are very real times in this game where you need to make notes that feels like you're actually out there, and you're, like, you're actually rescuing these hostages and get, gathering intel, and then using it to, to get further into Outer Heaven.
1: Which is absolutely fucking awesome.
0: That's so cool. It's so isn't dope. It? Like for a kid in like the eighties or nineties, like <laughs> yeah. you are like. It's especially a thing later on that's relevant to the final boss battle, and and things like uh, how you escape building three at the end. of someone like they drop these hints way earlier in the game, and you need to just note them down and be like, oh, uh, or you know, note the the um, transceiver frequency for Diane or Jennifer for getting different tips and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's just cool to have that. And, you know, even if you die in the game and you have to start again, you've got that sense of progression because next time you go in for round two, you know that bit more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know the layout of this. You know where to find the items. You know how you're going to take on certain things. You know who to contact. And it's just one of those games. Yeah, it is designed to be played multiple times, but it teaches you how to play it.
1: And Kojima also throws a number of curveballs at you. Throughout the whole experience. So, for example, sort of halfway through the game, the transceiver gets blocked, and then you have to go and find an antenna to get it working again. But all the all the friggin', uh frequencies you've written down are all changed, so you can't contact you, the same people on the same frequencies. So it's like, oh, shit, I'm cut off again. Um, and you eventually have to learn those again. So it's
0: it's incredible. One of the ones that fucked me, and I actually messaged you about this, was I was somewhere around building. And up to this point, um, whenever you see a truck, you can go into the back of the truck, and there's normally some supplies in there you can take. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And then I, I went into the back of this truck somewhere near building two, and it took me fucking ages to get there. <laughs> and it just comes up and goes, The truck has started moving. And then like it moves a bit, and then it fades out, and I exit the truck, and I'm back at the very start (laughs) of the game, like part of like it's and it's the first truck I entered, and I was like, "What the fuck?" Uh... And that again is something that happens later on, which ties into Big Boss's story, which is so cool. And I was just like, "Kojima, you bastard!"
1: Yeah, there's there's one point in the story right where like um, later on, right when you're um, sort of nearing the end of the game, uh, and you you sort of realise that things aren't quite as they seem in the story. We're going to talk about the story in a minute, but um. It, it, he actually calls you and, and says you need to turn off the computer <laughs> it's like he breaks yeah, the so fourth yeah so that was wall. the thing
0: it was like there's um, well uh, yeah so someone at one point does tell you and go the mission's been aborted turn off your MSX now <laughs> and at that point that did make me go uh, it just was so reminiscent of the famous battle um, with uh, Psycho psychomantis in, yeah. in Metal Gear 1 And just things like that. And I was like, it's so cool that he was doing this then. And we've talked about Kojima having these ideas for horror games that are going to link to your smart devices in your home and fucking flicker the lights whilst you're playing them and stuff. And it's just... This has been him from the start. And this is where you recognise someone who's just... He wasn't a programmer. He just has a fucking vision for interactive entertainment Mm -hmm. that is unique to him and is what makes him so great. Absolutely.
1: So that's, you know... (sighs) In terms of like the time you spent with this game Tom, did you go in expecting something completely different and what, what was what did you come out feeling from this? You one? know what?
0: I can tell you when game of the year comes around this is going to be on the list. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't I didn't expect this game to have to be able to give me the character of a Metal Gear Solid game.
1: No, nor did I. Nor did I didn't I.
0: think it it would feel like it as much as it does. Yeah, and I, every time, I just smiled so much knowing that this was where the series started and being a fan of, of what happens later in the series. And like I said, not always a fan of the gameplay, not always a fan of the the way it presents itself, but a fan of the the vision. Mm. And just the, the amount of that that is embodied in this for a first outing. I can't wait to play the next one.
1: Hell Yeah. Which, which, which again, we're going to cover later down in, a, in another series. But um.
0: I want to cover it sooner rather than later because I want to get to Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> yeah. But I think that this has been so good, I don't want to skip out... Like, you know, we've done Grand Theft Auto. I think we can comfortably go straight to GTA 3.
1: I think so too. The, yeah. But with
0: Metal Gear, I don't want to go straight to... And you, you, GTA 1, 2, 3, you've got the same progression as Metal Gear, Metal Gear 2, Metal Gear Solid. Mm-hmm. Yeah? But I don't want to skip Metal Gear 2, I want to play it. Same. And I think we should. And we will. Um some
1: of the, the characters we met during this are great as well like as he was talking about before tom like the way kojima makes this whole like conceivable world but makes it so outlandish and ridiculous so you got solid snake obviously he's a rookie member of the special forces
0: group foxhound um oh man one of the like the, the cool like the people have got so many people have got foxhound tattoos now and yeah man yeah and I bet you've got one, haven't you? I like haven't. <laughs> On my penis. But like, if I was going to have a game gaming like Foxhound would be a good one. Or... Mm-hmm. The I'd gear I'd
1: have got shovel So you've got Big Boss, the commanding officer who gives out the missions at Foxhound. Schneider, the leader of... Schneider! Schneider. <laughs> <laughs> the leader of the resistance group. Fucking and the former- ass and Schneider. <laughs> He's a former architect and guides Snake through the layout of the base. And gives him the location Probably of the key items. Probably quit because he
0: realised he was fucking... Quit being an architect because he was overworked and underpaid.
1: Ooh. Ooh, shit. <laughs> Speaking from experience there, Tom. Um, you've got Diane, who's a former positive punk vocalist. Whatever that is. Uh, and she provides info on enemy forces from her home,
0: apparently. Yeah, I don't know why she knows all about it. I think, of course, all these these characters are fleshed out in later entries, which is great.
1: Yeah, so this is the the foundation of introducing it to these characters. And obviously he did what he could with the limited software available, uh, hardware available.
0: He did fucking masses with it. Absolutely masses with it as well. It, yeah, indeed. Every indeed. one of these characters has a distinct personality in the game.
1: Mm-hmm. Even though it's text-based as well. You don't get any audio from these characters. You don't get a voice from them. It's all on screen. You don't
0: get... You don't get... Snake! Snake! <laughs> Snake!
1: <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer uh, is the next one we're introduced to and that's she's um, she infiltrated she, she infiltrated Outer Heavens medical staff to find her brother. Um, now, her brother is Gray Fox, who is reportedly the best agent that Foxhound had, but he was captured during a previous mission, which we've gone and you, you a meet
0: minute. him. You, you do, do rescue him.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: And he gives you a he gives you an important tip.
1: He does his, his penis tip. <laughs> Uh right. next character we've got is Doctor Petrovic. You are, fox.
0: No. you are Gray Fox, you have the package.
1: <laughs> oh I got the package for you. <laughs> oh Doctor Petrovich is basically your Emmerich character from Metal Gear Solid, isn't he? He's a robotic engineer working for out of heaven against his will. Um He created the Metal Gear. Yeah. Uh, his daughter. He's also, like though. ripped
0: straight out of a Bond movie, like the scientist forced to work against his will.
1: Yeah. No. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's you know, classic. Uh, and
0: all of toy. these, like, th- there's a lot of Bond actually in Metal Gear when you think about it, because James Bond has this similar outlandish nonsense thing going on where everyone's completely crazy, but it all seems to work in that setting.
1: Yeah. Exactly. He's out to save the world, is not he? Which is what what you're doing, and all, you know. All of the characters are either completely insane and evil, or on the side of good, or you know, favorite, You know my favourite
0: um, James Bond villain? Go on. Elliot Carver.
1: Elliot Carver. Which, is he in... He's in a... From Pierce The World Bosman Is one. Not Enough. Yeah, that's it.
0: Yeah, and he, he has his sidekick, Mr. Stamper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mr. And he's got Stamper. A, he's a media mogul, and he's got a stealth boat. Yes! It's oh. the it's the, um, it's the guy out of the High Sparrow at Game of Thrones, isn't it? That's him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, Mr. Stamper. Have you met Mr. Stamper? <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. Oh, <laughs> man. Fucking, oh, man, Bond's great. It is. It is.
1: And as you say, there is a lot of influence there on Kojima's work. Um, you've also got Ellen Petrovich's daughter, who's been kidnapped by the enemy to coerce him into actually making Metal Gear, so there's a motivation behind what he's doing. It's not because he's an evil fucktard; it's because his daughter's been captured.
0: Um, yeah, he's not like a Tory or something.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, Tom, that, that's the characters we meet. So now the story. This is the part that really, as I
0: said earlier, well, before we get into that, we I, I put down here like who are um, and I always put so just to clear things up. There's a couple of key things you're going to hear here that mm-hmm. here, um, Fox Hanged. So, Foxhound, all we know at this point is that they are a small covert ops division of the US Army formed by legendary soldier Big Boss. That's really all the context we're given, but Foxhound is the, you know, the bane that the blood of Metal Gear courses through. Yeah. Um, and Big Boss and Solid Snake are often confused because I think intentionally they look alike. Mm. in the games and there's a whole load of like stuff in games where one thing happens to someone else and then it's like explained away by being like well that wasn't really him that was his twin
1: yeah that sort of shit gets crazy later down the line
0: for people who are maybe have played the latest game and don't know this what you've got to understand is we were introduced here to solid snake who is a rookie working for big boss who runs foxhound Solid Snake is the hero of Metal Gear Solid, the game. Metal Gear Two. He's also in Metal Gear Solid Two, um, Sons of Liberty. Yep. Or is that Metal Gear Solid Four?
1: I can't remember now. I'd, I'd have to go back and play. One of
0: them. <laughs> four and Two are both Sons of Liberty, isn't it? Uh, both Liberty something. Hmm. Uh, Metal Gear Solid Two is yeah Sons of Liberty, and Four was um. Guns of the Patriots oh, so yeah. then I think Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater you play as Big Boss yes because that, it's a prequel right. Yeah, and then Metal Gear Solid 4 you play as Snake when he's older and then Metal Gear Solid 5 you're playing as Big Boss again prior to this game mm-hmm. and there's a lot of these grey areas where one will be portrayed as the bad guy in a game and then the next game will explain their actions or, or put you in their shoes to show you like that maybe they weren't so bad or, or or their motivation but foxhound is the yeah the body that links them all up
1: yeah indeed so no it's good to have some context to what we're going to talk about next because the story is the, is the element of this uh looking back at this game which knowing that how many entries we've had since this came out that was the element that was really like fuck how are we going to explain this in in one episode but actually um the story that it sets up is is relatively you know, you, you can follow it basically. So, Tom, do you but you've got to read through? this from the manual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I can't do. Yeah, go on. Take us through the, the story.
0: Okay, cool. so all right, this is ba- this is basically almost verbatim from, from what's given to you by by the manual and the game and stuff. Okay, so two hundred kilometers north of the region of Galesburg in South Africa lay the fortress Outer Heaven. And I like that they keep calling it a fortress. It's fine, <laughs> a fortified state. So when say fortress, it's a big fucking place. This is like, and the building's like, oh, this building's forty kilometers north. There, you know, mm-hmm. then it's not like, um, it's not like in the second Metal Gear, Metal Gear Solid, where you're on the like the suspended base. Yeah, yeah. It's very much a base. This is founded by a legendary mercenary, big boss, in the late nineteen eighties, in nineteen ninety five, and the dates are really key to this because timelines everything in, in Metal Gear. In 1995, the Western world has received intelligence that warned of a weapon of mass destruction that was supposedly being constructed deep within the fortress. High-tech Special Forces unit, that's Foxhound, commanded by legendary soldier Big Boss, sent their best agent, Grey Fox, to infiltrate the stronghold. So however days later, contact with Grey Fox is lost. The final transmission consisted only of two words. Metal Gear!
1: (laughs) That's how he said it as well.
0: Yeah. With the goal of rescuing Grey Fox and uncovering the meaning of the cryptic message, rookie operative Solid Snake, which is not named after a boner at all, is sent to Outer Heaven alone.
1: (laughs) I mean... What? (laughs) Does anyone think it was named after a boner? Because they haven't been following. (laughs) They do. Oh, it's not a boner. Oh, Okay.
0: Oh. oh, mate, how you got a solid snake? <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. And then later on, they have Naked Snake as well. And Liquid Snake. Mm. Yeah, exacto. Anyway, Revolver Ocelot. Man, it's got some characters. Fat Man's my favourite Metal Gear character. Fat Man? What, which one's he in? You know, the, the bomb throwing guy on roller skates. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I do, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell.
0: So, not in this game. So, you undertake an operation called Operation Intrude N313. So you are, you are inserted into outer heaven, Ooh. and Snake then makes contact with local resistance members Schneider, Diane, and Jennifer. Using all of his skills and equipment he procures on site, he manages to rescue Fox. Now, when you say rescue Fox, you do come across prisoners throughout the game, and you go out to them, you rescue them. They all give you a little tip. So Fox explains that Metal Gear is the code name of a nuclear-equipped bipedal walking tank, basically an at- a, a fucking ATST walker. Okay. Um with nukes with nukes in it. And it can engage in all forms of combat and launch nuclear weapons from any location. So it's the idea is that there's gonna be nuclear war from anywhere, not a non trackable silo. Yeah. So your your nuclear defence weapons would not be work against it. So Out Heaven plans to use Metal Gear and then impose itself as a new world superpower. It's an ambitious plan, okay. Hell yeah it is so to destroy Metal Gear and topple out I have mercenaries Snake rescues the lead Metal Gear engineer Dr. Petrovich and his daughter Ellen and that's because when you rescue Petrovich he says well I'm not going to torture you unless you rescue Ellen and then you rescue Ellen and then he goes ha ha R." and you're supposed to know what the fuck that means <laughs> it becomes relevant in the last boss um, which you might not have picked up on if you watched the final boss on a speedrunner, but it's really, it's really important. Yeah. So the scientist yeah. explains how the Metal Game can be destroyed, and Snake takes on out Heaven's troops. However, he does begin to notice that the traps put in his way, play, way are too precise. And starts so to wonder how information on his activities are being tracked. So you can find all this out by constantly talking to people on your transceiver. And the further you do get through the game, there are these like floor traps that open up. And they seem like unfairly mean. Like, they're always exactly where you want to go. And then, Big Boss begins to act strangely, giving misleading advice that leads you into traps. And eventually ordering you to abort abort the mission. And Schneider is ambushed by hostiles and presumed dead after losing contact with Snake. So this is a really important element. As you get through the game, you start to approach Building 3. Big Boss, who's been your, your contact to say, Oh, hey, you should do this. Hey, you need to put a gas mask on. He'll say things like, Snake, you'll, you'll go to an area and there's like a bunch of people attacking you. You'll be like, Snake, get into the truck on the right-hand side. And you're like, oh, thanks, big boss. You get into the truck, it takes you back to the fucking start of the game. <laughs> or you'll go in somewhere and you'll be like, Snake, go through the left door. You go through the left door and a pit opens up on the floor and you die. Yeah. And you're like, what the fuck? He's like, he's saying things to lead me to my death.
1: Yeah, that's when you start thinking, shit, something's not right here. <laughs> something's going Exactly. Astray.
0: And it's so cool because games didn't do this. They build these characters and then flip it on their head like that. Mm-hmm where you'd be like, hold on, something really weird's going on. So Snake penetrates out Heaven's main base, Oof. and he takes out the Metal Gear before it reaches completion. After he safely uh, escapes the base's compound, he's confronted by the mercenary leader of Out Heaven, who turns out to be dun, dun, <laughs> da, 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 Big Boss. Now, Kiefer Sutherland, in the flesh. Now, actually, you're told the final prisoner you rescue before you take on Metal Gear tells you that Big Boss is, is the leader of Out of Heaven? So the corrupt leader reveals that he's been using his connections to steal military intelligence, establish his own mercenary force, and fund his activities. It was his aim to have Outer Heaven become the world's greatest superpower, and to bring the West to its knees. He had rookie Snake sent in, hoping to have him captured and feed misinformation to the authorities about Metal Gear. But he had underestimated Snake's abilities. capabilities. So having lost Metal Gear and much of his force, Big Boss starts the self-destruct sequence for the compound and promises he will not die alone. Snake, you will join me. Snake defeats Big Boss in the last battle via with, with I did with a rocket launcher. Yeah. And escapes out of Heaven compound as it crumbles into flames behind him. At the end credits roll, a message from Big Boss is displayed saying that he will meet Solid Snake again. Oh. Now, important note, fast forward all the way eight games later and twenty-four spin-offs, you play as Big Boss in Metal Gear Solid 5, and it reveals that the commander defeated by Snake is not the original Big Boss, but his body double Venom Snake. Oh, oh amazing. So they've gone all the way. So you get the end. I, I like that at the end of Metal Gear 5, when Kojima was falling out with Konami, he reveals that you never achieved anything.
1: Oh, so that's insane, isn't it? Big Boss is still out there. You've done fuck all. And all of that work you've done was for fucking nothing. Meryl's dead. Oh, Meryl, don't... Oh, Meryl, no. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, one of the most heart-wrenching moments in gaming history. Um, depending on how and you man, play
0: I it. I just out. want to shout out what we talked about there. The bit when you are going and Big Boss starts acting weird is so good. It's yeah, so cool. Yeah. He starts to you and he tells you, I'm going here. And, and then you're like... If you know everything he's saying is fucking you over at that point. And it's really that last hour of the game where you're just like oh shit Like, and it's, it's just got that movie thing about it it's so cool we were talking before about his
1: um, sort of the isolation he went through as a kid and like he puts Snake in this this place right and he's on his own he's isolated but he's got that you know he knows he's got a bit of backup and support but then it's all cut off from him he doesn't know to trust anymore it's like fuck you know I've, I've had all this support all the way through and now I just don't know who I can trust so Big Boss is out
0: to get me can I trust anyone else and it puts that whole scene yeah, of yeah exactly down and like to get all of this into this 8-bit sprite-based isometric game on the fucking MSX way ahead of its time that's why this game's so
1: incredible um it's because the ideas it's got are you know generations ahead of of
0: where it should be um absolutely is and like and people are uh, it did what it could with the graphics i think it does a fucking good job the gameplay is solid it looks great it's atmospheric it's just like I, this is a ten out of ten game to me.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. It, it
0: has flaws, but when you look at what a ten out of ten game is, it's how important was it to you know at the time. This is a ten. Now there is flaws. You can paint yourself into a corner where you can't finish, but also you've got to remember that the way we're playing this, we were playing it with save states and a guide.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You would paint yourself into a corner where you couldn't finish, but then you'd restart the game and learn from that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and as you said earlier, it's a game that's meant to be replayed and learnt from. So you go through the game and you go, ah, oh, that's what it's I did It's a game wrong. that you
0: master. You have to master the game.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. But it's also that one that encourages the playground discussions of, ah, oh, how did you beat shoot gunner? Oh, I did this. Or where did you find the gas? How did you get through that room? Oh, you need to get a gas mask. And oh, how many prisoners did you rescue? This many? And there's certain things, like I mentioned ranking up before. When you rank up, you can hold a certain amount of weapons. When you get to the end of the game, you have to have... 16 explosives to defeat Metal Gear but if you're only rank 3 you can't carry that many mm-hmm. but the other bastard is if a hostage dies when you're playing the game you lose a rank and then it can be impossible to be rank 4 so like you said you can paint yourself into a dead end where you, you can't beat the game
1: yeah exactly and it becomes very easy to, to end up killing a hostage later on when we talk about the bosses now um, well, so, so,
0: yeah when you talk about it, like cow- in in the coward dog boss are you talking about yeah exactly
1: yeah yeah, They're a
0: real fucker that is
1: yeah, so he surrounds himself. He's called Coward Duck, which is a fucking phenomenal name. But yeah. He surrounds himself. Well, I mean, with... Metal
0: Gear is all about the characters. It always has been. It's always been about these really wacky characters. And we've got the. What we've put here, we put the list of bosses together. And I think this just shows where some of this started. Yeah, so. I the mean, first... there's nothing on this list that's as good as Psychomantis. I'm no. sorry. Or Revolver Ocelot. Vulcan, or the DARPA Vulcan Chief. Or the becoming. What was the DARPA Chief? Became De- Decoy octopus or something <laughs>
1: and you had uh, the fucking oh what's the guy in the ninja suit fucking was that Grey Fox I can't remember anyway um, so you get the guy with the, the katana as you go through the hall and he's he's like butchered everyone with the yeah that's Grey Fox yeah yeah that's it
0: Um, because yeah you you meet all these yeah Frank Jaeger you meet all these people again in Metal Gear Solid and what I really wish had when Metal Gear Solid came out I was an established fan of Metal Gear 1 and 2, because imagine how much more that game would have meant to you. Like, it meant so much to us as kids anyway, because it was like, this is what games can be. Yeah, yeah, quite. But imagine if you already knew these characters, and you'd seen them in this sprite-rendered setup, and the story, and you were already invested, and then you got Metal Gear Solid. Like, it must have been fucking mind-blowing.
1: Yeah, like, if you're, as you say, invested in the story, and you knew the background to all of this, and then it becomes even more real, and they they develop it even further and make it even more zany and and you know, involving. Fuck, man, that would have been such a a, a good time to be a gamer, man. And it already was. Um, so some of the bosses you come across, the shotgun you've mentioned, he's a former Spetsnaz agent specializing in the riot. Spetsnaz. Gun. So you can sort of cheese him with the uh, rocket launchers, you um, if you've got
0: that. The remote missiles. Remote, remote missiles.
1: missiles, Sorry. Yeah. Uh, but here's
0: a cool thing, because you've been captured. You have to get intentionally captured at one point. Um, and that, that's kind of cool. That, that happens in Bloodborne as well. Uh, you get intentionally captured, and then you um you have to get your gear back to fight him by punching through the wall.
1: Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, you're put in a cell, and within, it's, it's got no door. So you're like, shit, what do I do here? And, and you haven't had that mechanic of punching through a wall before. That's been, not been in the game. So you've got to figure that out for yourself. Um, and you eventually find sort of a hollow
0: ver- uh, area of the wall, don't you, and punch through it. So Yeah, and then later on, when you you, when you tap the wall and it sounds different, later on there's areas that do that, but you have to use a plastic explosive to blow through them. And, yeah. And then you think, fucking hell, this game's got secrets, and then you're running around tapping every single wall in outer heaven.
1: <laughs> yeah, because some of the items that you find, you wouldn't... I mean, they're not essential items,
0: but they're just useful items. No, but this game makes you want to uncover every single square inch of the base.
1: Well, it's like... Metal Gear Solid, beating the game several times gives you the different upgrades, like the bandana and things like that, so like it's the same sort of thing, beating the game several times and find all those different things which make the game easier to play, like the uh, the body armour, which reduces incoming damage and things like that, so
0: mm-hmm.
1: not an essential item, but makes the game that much easier um, the next guy you come across is Machine Gun Kid, so you can see the, the, the naming of the bosses isn't that adventurous it <laughs> does what it says on the tin uh He's similar to the above. He's a former SES operative. He's got a machine gun. You can beat him with a remote missile. Um, yeah, and
0: these are basically... So This what this is nice is it paints the picture of who the Outer Heaven guys are. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, God. Outer Heaven's the name of the base, but is there a group name for the mercenaries that are running the base? Like the equivalent of Foxhound? Uh, I don't think there is. They're, no, just, they're they all like a one. bunch of rogue mercenaries. It's, it's all yeah it's yeah, like people a like, has experts and as ex-SAS that so they've become these mercs and they're rogue and they, they're a bit like a terrorist organization but without the organization
1: <laughs> yeah quite yeah it's just like a, a rogues gallery of of you know people that have defected from various places um, the next thing you come across is a fucking real challenge unless you know a little cheese uh, and this is the hind D which obviously features heavily in Metal Gear Solid Un
0: Petit Fromage Exactly. (laughs) Un petit fromage de grenadier
1: Yes, (laughs) we
0: cultural. We we.
1: I like it. So, obviously, the big helicopter. Um, You find a spot on the map by a crate, and you can just cheese it with um, the grenade launcher uh, twenty times to destroy it, and it can't hit you. But it's 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 fire is in like a big arc in front of the in front of the place. Oh yeah! If you
0: don't know what you're doing, you're fucking dead on this boss. Like yeah, similar. Makes mincemeat of you.
1: Yeah, and that's similar to the tank, the next boss you come across, which has like a um, a corridor that you can't get down. So you have to approach it when it goes up and down this corridor, avoiding its arc of fire and plant mines in front of it. But you've just been through a, a minefield to get to it as well, which is a really interesting thing. And if you haven't got the mine detector...
0: For that. That's the other thing. Like, how cool is it? You go into the desert and like, poof, you're dead but then you can find a mine detector and when you equip it all the mines show up and it's like just shit like this didn't happen in games. Man. Yeah,
1: exactly. One thing I didn't find a useful Tom. I don't know if you did was the binoculars. I couldn't get them to work.
0: Didn't use the binoculars and I like the fact that he has cigarettes at the start and you never need to use them. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. And it's just because Kurt Russell smokes in Escape from New York. <laughs> so like, that's the only thing you start off with is a pack of smokes.
1: No, it's... <laughs> nice. But um, that,
0: ju- that just adds a bit of character to Snake. It does, yeah. It's it's very subtle. Like, he's gone in there. You can imagine him being, like, someone out of, like, a fucking Aliens movie or something. He's, like, takes no equipment with him apart from his lucky strikes. It's just pure 80s, isn't he? Like, <laughs> yeah. 80s action hero, like, I just need my but, lucky like, strikes. Little things like that that are unnecessary, that you've just got some cigarettes in your inventory, nothing else. Like, that just paints some character to who this guy is. hmm
1: yeah, d- damn right, man. Damn right. It's He's the classic
0: 80s action hero. Um, it's so badass, and all of that's just thought about it and planned Day The tank's a bit of a cock, because there is a blind spot that you hide in, but it's not a total blind spot that you, it can get you. Yeah. But the big advantage to that one is that once it's dead, two screens to the south, there's a truck with a ration. Mm. Yeah. And so I'll- you can go up there. And I only realized that on about the third time I was fighting it, I was like, hang on a minute. Once I kill this, I can just go and ration up. Because I could carry nine rations by that point. Yeah. Um, because, of course, if you leave the screen and come back before the tank's dead, it, it's refilled with full health and you haven't got full ammo.
1: Or even if you go into your inventory at that point, it goes back to full ammo. So No, once, you've
0: laid, no, once you've laid a mine, if you open the inventory, the mines disappear from the floor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's... And that's the same with the... Because this has a similar mechanic to how you beat the Metal Gear. And, yeah, once you've planted the bombs, you can't open your inventory until they explode. Hmm. It's fucking annoying. Yes, it is. Um, but that's the, that's the limited power of the MSX. But what was clever about it, and what's clever about this game, is there's the limited power of the MSX. Limited things, but it was also used as a gameplay mechanic. The fact that you could respawn enemies. The fact that you could respawn items. Yeah, it was It was thought about. It wasn't just something they couldn't deal with. Exactly. Exactly. Um,
1: so, the next enemy you come across is Fire Trooper. Um does what it says in the tin again he's a former gsg9 agent with a flamethrower he's got a, he stands at the top of the screen and just this flamethrower covers the whole uh room that you're in so it goes in an, a sweeping arc but there is an area close to him where you can sort of run through get hit once and just spam your your attack on him you're you, either you're oozy or whatever and he's pretty easy to beat then
0: oh uh, so what i did with him ad is i stood up against that top wall yeah and he can't get you there, and I use remote missiles on him.
1: Ah, I didn't have any at that point. But
0: the difference with this guy and the other guns is the flames blow up the remote missiles. Do they? Oh, okay. So you can only shoot him with them when, they, when his flamethrower is angled away. Right. One thing I wanted to ask you about this. Did you find that at the start of the game there was no bosses for a long time, and then they came thick and fast?
1: Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I think like particularly the Hindy the, and the There's tank. like a
0: whole. It almost feels like there's a bit of a prologue section at the start of the game where you're learning it all, and and you're not really in the in an area that's like important enough to have these like big mercs. No, quite,
1: and you're not equipped to deal with them either. Um, and no. like, I I I first started playing the game, and I thought I'm never going to get to hang, with the, you know, to get to grips with these controls. Like, it's so awkward. But well, you're using the arrow keys, and then like F one to four. Yeah and then obviously spacebar to fire and m to punch and it's like i'm not sure i'm ever going to be able to get the muscle memory to play this effectively but that's i think another reason why like at the start of the game it gives you that time to get used to how you're controlling it what you're doing with the inventories how you're managing your, your you know um your loadouts and things like that so you've got either a pistol equipped with a key card or a pistol and body armor equipped that sort of thing get into grips with how that works because you have to have it sort of Manage that on the fly as well, which is another cool mechanic. Um so it's not just you've got them in your inventory and they work on a door, you have to actually equip them. I like that. That's pretty cool.
0: And that means unequipping something else.
1: Exactly. So you've never got the same you know, you've never got the full range of benefits, you always gotta sacrifice something. Um Coward Doug is the next one you came across that we talked about. Who later became called Dirty Duck. (laughs) Quack quack motherfucker. (laughs) Quack bitch. Uh he throws a boomerang. He's a, a boomerang throwing terrorist who
0: shields himself with hostages.
1: It's just amazing. Absolutely amazing. So if you do kill a hostage at that point, which is very easy to do.
0: Uh, you've fucked yourself.
1: You're so far into the game at that point that losing that rank means you're not going to finish the game.
0: There's a, There's not the exact amount of hostages required for four stars. I think you've got a couple of spare. Hmm. But you cannot afford to be losing a rank at that point. Yeah. Yeah, like I had to. I I save stated right before this boss fight, and I had to reload four or five times to do it without a hostage dying.
1: Jesus, and one of these hostages is. It's Jeff- really
0: shit because what it does is it puts it so that oh yeah, I've beat the boss, but now I can't beat the fucking game.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly, and obviously, playing as you were before save states that that would totally fuck it for you.
0: So, and that's the thing that's like that's interesting about this game. The boss isn't very hard, but the consequence of. Losing hostage means you've got to start the game again, even though you've survived. And it's just like that's such a weird concept to put in a game at this time. Kojima all over though, isn't it? You won the, f- you, you know, I won the battle, but I lost the war, kind of thing. And it's,
1: yeah, absolutely. And it's
0: just, yeah. Um,
1: the, the two you mentioned earlier are the Arnolds, um, who are the, uh, who are later named Bloody Brad. <laughs> Bloody, Bloody Brad. Brad. Bloody, Bloody Brad. Bloody Brad.
0: He's getting what my fucking tits.
1: <laughs> So these are two TX-11 class androids designed by Petrovich, uh, the Captain Defined Scientist. Designed
0: by Cyberdyne Systems. <laughs> designed and developed by Cyberdyne Systems. Yeah, and these conveniently wear camo trousers, leather jackets and shades and look hench as fuck. A little like Arnold Schwarzenegger in the Terminator. Uh, the only way you can beat them is with the remote rockets. Uh, so. Nope. Really? Oh, that's how I thought you could beat... Oh, okay. How'd you beat him, though? <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't use a, a normal rocket launcher. Did you? Okay, okay. So what you've got, you've got three alleyways divided by two rows of crates. One Arnold patrols the top row and one Arnold patrols the bottom, but they will steadfastly stick to their patrol route. So what I did, add is I ran down to the bottom. As one ran at me, fired a rocket, ran back up, and then he returned to his patrol route. I just r- rinsed and repeated that. Right, okay, okay. But they hold the... um. Keycard seven, which allows you to escape building two. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the second Terminator
1: reference in the that we've that we've come across here. So you can see he's clearly a big fan of the of the franchise, um,
0: or at least the first film at that point. Um, you know, yeah, second film wasn't out uh, to nineteen ninety two, something like that. that like ninety two, I think. Yeah, ninety one, ninety two. First um, film was the eighty four. So,
1: so yeah, you can see, clearly see the influence there that that, that had on him and, and popular culture in general of the, of that ilk. Um, now, Metal Gear, Tom. I didn't get this far, so w- what is Metal Gear?
0: Okay, so after you kill the Arnolds, you do finally make your way to Building 3. You unlock a few bit, then you find the um, the air tank, and you have to come back to Building 2, swim under a great big long channel, and collect Keycard 8. Then you go back in the building, and there's not a great deal to but let me just talk you through this last building, because this is interesting. Because you cannot do it without getting injured. Right, okay. So you rescue your hostage, who says... Big Boss is the enemy. Fucking go murk him. Get him a record deal on murky records. <laughs> um, And the cameras start to fire lasers now. Okay. And then you get to a, like a little zigzag path in a room. You can't get past the cameras without getting shot. Then you get to an electric floor room. Um, And you radio in, I think, Diane or Jennifer. And they're like, oh, um, just use rations. Run and use rations. So you just have to run across the electric floor and just die a bit and heal up as you go. So it means you're like fucking battered before you get to Metal Gear. That's You get in, but Metal Gear is this big anime style robot walker thing. But he seems to be like, he's powered down and is like, I know, in like his holding area. But he has two of these laser cameras in the room with him that are going to shoot you whilst you're trying to destroy him. But I th- it's when you speak. To- I'm sure it's Petrovich when you speak to him because he's the one who has the knowledge of Metal Gear. Says, uh, i just looking in the room here. One of the things we didn't mention earlier is these laser things that you have to have the infrared goggles to see the path uh, you can walk through. Of course, yes, yeah. stuff like that. It's just so cool. Another thing that I wanted to um, s- just mention
1: very quickly because you mentioned cameras was the cardboard box that became. Oh uh, yeah,
0: that's obviously the famous Metal Gear Solid thing. Yeah, it- that's in it. Yeah, so
1: you use that yeah, you to get, get past cardboard box, past cameras.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's amazing. So when you speak to Petrovich, he's like, oh, yeah, I can tell you how to kill Metal Gear. You have to plant bombs on his feet. And then he tells you, as I alluded to earlier, LRR, whatever it is. And I'm there, and I'm going, right, I've got the guidance. Uh, I, no, I looked on YouTube, I saw a video guy doing it, and I just thought, I planted all these bombs and it didn't kill him. And I was like, fucking hell, I didn't have enough, what the fuck. I'm going to have to go all the way back to, like, building two to restock. Um, so then I loaded up a YouTube video and I looked, and the guy who's like, he went in with fifteen, and I went in with twenty, and I was like, what? <laughs> so I like, am I putting him in the wrong place? And then it just like came back to me, this L L R R whatever it was, oh. and it turns out you have to plant them on the left and right foot in a sequence. That's amazing. It's so cool. That's proper like playground. Just because like, how do you beat Metal Gear? Oh, Petrovich gives you a code and then you have to plant the bombs. So it's like, plant it on his left foot, then his right foot, then twice on the left, once on the right, then once left, twice on the right. Like, and that's the, like, the order in which you have to detonate, the plant the bombs, whilst these lasers are trying to shoot you. Now, it's not very hard, because you just go to the side, then when the laser comes towards you, you run past it, plant one, run back, and they're not going to hit you. But the boss is a puzzle, that you have to have written down this code earlier in the game. You have to have written it down.
1: Man, I, see, I, as you said earlier, I didn't pick that up from... Just watching the, the the end of the game on on the speed run that I, that I had to watch. Well, that's it.
0: I'd watch it on YouTube. And I was like, "Well, he doesn't like." I didn't notice that he was doing something specific.
1: Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that is incredible. Again, just testament to the game design that Kojima thought up. So you know, it's it's quite a ways earlier that you meet up with Petrovich and get that code. Oh, he's
0: like halfway for the game.
1: So to think then that that might Do you remember be relevant. Him telling you that.
0: Well, yeah, but I didn't pay any attention to it. I didn't even no think- exactly. It just looks like a fucking bunch of not. You don't think this is how I beat the final boss of the game? He <laughs> gives you, like, I just
1: thought it was like a load of gobbledygook because op- the floor opens up at that point, doesn't it? And like, yeah.
0: Oh. Then he- no, that's when you meet fake Petrovich. Oh yeah, yeah. No, sorry, the wrong bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They- De- decoy Petrovich.
1: Yeah, which is another great mechanic. You're like, yes, I found him, and the fucking floor opens up and swallows him up, and he just goes ha ha ha.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then you die. <laughs>
1: yeah. So yeah. Man, amazing! And then, obviously, you've you've beat Metal Gear, and you think, right, I've done it, I've completed my mission, and you get onto the next area, and you meet
0: somebody else, the big plot. Yeah, they, they, you come across big boss, and he's like, snake, <laughs> and yeah, he's all like, oh, you prick! I thought you were a noob. That's why I sent you in to get some misinformation and rig the election, and I'm pissed off because you were quite good. So now I'm going to kill you, and but at this point, you've got. When you kill Metal Gear, you get like a thirty-second countdown. Yeah, you start
1: a so by the time sequence. you get to
0: Big Boss, you you've got to kill him in like fifteen seconds. Yeah, so you start. If you've not played him before, or you've only got a pistol left, oh fucking forget that. Mm. Exactly, because he's. So what you have to do is stock up on rocket launchers. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Um. So, so like, yeah, there's a countdown started for the the whole base to to blow up basically. So you've got to go in there, defeat him, and then you still got to escape the base. Now this is the next cool bit.
0: Yeah, and the, f- the final thing is so cool. You run into a room after you kill Big Boss, and there's three ladders. And when you rescue Grey Fox, he says, the way out is the left ladder. And I remembered that. Nice. And you go up the left ladder. As you go up the left ladder, you see on the second screen, the right ladder stops. Mm-hmm or the middle ladder stops, and then on the next screen, the right one stops. If you were on either of them, you would have had to backtrack and go up. But you really have fuck all time. By the time I got out, I was, like, less than 10 seconds.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's, it's If you fuck that And I was, up, like, could,
0: correctly equipped to kill Big Boss, had the rockets, did him, like, as efficiently as you could probably do it. Yeah. Uh, like, if I had gone up the wrong ladder, I would have had to start down climbing and probably died in the base. Mm-hmm. But then the screen... And you... imagine defeating all the bosses oh, and then dying for that. Man.
1: Again, very Kojima mechanic. Um... And then the end screen is absolutely phenomenal. So you sort of that classic 80s action hero running away from the base as it explodes yeah, in the cool, background. The cool guys don't look at
0: explosions. <laughs>
1: exactly. Yeah, man. So you get that and then you get the cut scene at the end where you get the message saying "Snook, you know, I'll meet we'll meet again" sort of thing. Um
0: "We'll meet again on a when." I'm not sh-
1: don't know when. <laughs> I'm not sure that's what he was saying. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, it was in text, so maybe it was. That'd be fucking amazing, wouldn't it? Um, so,
0: As long as he does it as good as I just did.
1: Yeah, yeah that was pretty good, actually. Yeah, well done. Uh, the reception and legacy of Metal Gear is something to talk about. So, considering that the MX... How'd you even fucking start? Like... Well, let's talk about this game for, for now. Because obviously, right. we, we know how successful the franchise became and where it went and how well received it is even today but back then, the MSX2 um, as I said earlier, it wasn't really that accessible anywhere so to Japan um, There's a bit of a bag of spanners as well like, it's not it's not a mega machine Yeah, um, so it was ranked on MSX Magazine's top 20 best-selling MSX games in Japan for five months, debuting uh, at number four on the october 1987 issue and peak at number three the following month so obviously it did well in their own magazine uh the games machine gave a positive review of this version giving the game a 79 percent global note they praised the graphics oh God, not a
0: global note yeah
1: full global note not just a you know local what note. would you give me as a global note ad <laughs> of course so they praised the graphics and size of the 69. game area uh you'd always always get a 69 from me underlining the fact that it ensured that the action and suspense never wanes. I agree with that. It really doesn't, though. No, you're right. There's suspense all the way through that game. Exactly. Um, They also wrote that the game was rapidly addictive and that the urge to get further in the game is quite strong. Um, They concluded positively on the quality of the game, saying that if this standard of Konami software is maintained, then maybe more people will think hard about joining the other 200,000 MSX
0: users it's funny isn't it 200,000 MSX users 115 million PS4 users yeah. how we've moved along indeed
1: yeah and we still can't get a fucking PS5 um, don't want one yeah. I'm going to play Metal Gear 2 next exactly uh, the NES version of Metal Gear it surprises me this it was ranked 104th best game made on a Nintendo system in Nintendo Power's top 200 games list. I don't know how it made it in, because by all accounts, it was fucked. Uh, it's just a complete departure from the
0: original. Yeah, but there's a lot of revisionist history, isn't there? Because people know oh, Metal Gear is good. So when mm. they're making this list, how much was it just in their mind that Metal Gear was good? Yeah, maybe they Yeah. Not remembering the correct version or something, and also don't trust anything Nintendo power, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Not going to say it was shit, are they? I mean, this
0: wasn't this wasn't a Nintendo published or, or, or developed game, but still. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, 1997, Electronic Gaming Monthly named the NES version the 35th best console video uh, console video game of all time, citing how do you have to think like a sorry how you have to think like a spy to win, which means you don't have to fight.
0: Well, yeah, but again. The NES version wasn't that good, so... Okay. Yeah, but if you look at this ad, the NES version went on to sell a million units. There was only 200,000 MSX owners. Mm. Oh, So it's funny yeah. that the MSX version was so superior to this. But didn't get that mass when coverage. When the NES version... Saw, like, the vast majority of people who know Metal Gear know the NES version, and that's the wrong version to be playing. Oh, it's like so many people would have missed out on such that's a great game. The, that's not the Kojima game. No, and that's probably why he hates
1: it so much. It's because like it, it tarnished what he'd made. Like he'd s- carefully crafted this experience, and they just shat all over it. Uh, so, the game has since spawned eight sequels, plus a number of spin-offs, as you mentioned earlier. The totaling uh, totaling a number of uh, sorry, the total number of games is twenty-four in the franchise, which is incredible. Um, and as after the third entry became metal gear solid of course um so jesus man we've been going for an hour and 20 minutes yeah we're going to wrap up shortly so um i think there's not much more to say on the review side of things obviously it was well received tom in terms of what we've done on that 8-bit shit show
0: so far how does this fare? how does this rank for you as an experience possibly the best one yeah. Okay. I mean, it's 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 one of the So you've got Sonic the Hedgehog, which is like mind blowing. You got Shovel Knight, which is my favorite game of the last generation. But this is the game I hadn't played before, and it was such a pleasant surprise to see that everything I like about Metal Gear is in there. Yeah, damn straight. I I, I completely agree. I think you know we've we've got all the
1: classics that we're covering, like the Sonics, like we're going to go and cover Mario, of course, um, things like that. But when games like this pop up, where you know that there's a history there, but you're not quite sure of what that is or how good it was and then when it turns out like this it's just such a nice surprise and it's uh it makes all this really really worthwhile um so i'm really really glad we we decided to cover this in this series so um yeah that was our, our roundup of, of the first ever metal gear hope that's uh been informative and enjoyable for for you guys at home to listen to oh and i hope that was <laughs> let's bring us back down to where we usually are <laughs> and have some burp and fart jokes <laughs> nice tom uh that's been a really really enjoyable game to go back and look at so thanks for joining me
0: oh su- super sick i loved it i really 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 fucking love it it's, it's made me all like fuzzy about metal gear again <laughs> and just remember how much how much i love that shit that quirky fucking madness fuck yeah
1: so If you have enjoyed that episode of the Late Bit Shit Show, go over to happyhourgaming.net and check out all of the other shows from Series 2 and, of course, go back to Series 1 and check out all of the other shows there. Uh, We've got a number of other shows available on happyhourgaming.net, so check that out and come and chat to us on Twitter and Discord. Links are on the website. Thank you very much, Tom. I'm uh, at at PhilboFiddlePie on Twitter. Unexplainably. (laughs) Yeah. I've gone professional. I'm at AdamHHG. So, yeah, check us out. Cheers, guys.
0: Thank you, bye.